Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and we have a loaded show for you this morning. We've got Bezak from the state coming on at 8.30, and as always, Brandon Dunn from WPDE coming on at 9 o'clock to talk about all of your grand strands, getting you ready for some Friday night lights later on this evening. And there's a couple of big matchups looking forward to tonight. One in particular, I'll be calling Carolina Forest against Sakasti, but we'll talk about that a little later. First, we've got some national stuff to talk about, but before we get into that, I just wanted to send out my condolences to Mrs. V, School Blitz. Uh, who lost her mom last night, or I think yesterday afternoon, not sure exactly when, sometime yesterday, however, 
Uh, thoughts and prayers, obviously, going out to her. And, hey, to all those kids, all those high school football players listening, you know, you know how important your you know, high school careers and everything. I, I think most most high school players, most people, at least most people with a brain, and I don't I, I don't want to sound too blunt about it, but most people with the brain understand the severity of this disease, COVID. Um, she died, you know, her mom died of COVID. Uh, you know, so let's, you know, like like me and uh, Ian Garen were talking about a couple of weeks ago, the program. Let's make sure we wear those masks, socially distance, all those good things, and make sure that not only do we keep the football season alive and well and make sure we're able to get it through get through it completely but also make sure that we don't have any unfortunate events like we had last night with the so a little somber start to the show but let's get back into some sports shall we and let me just say before I get to the first part of the show or the first segment that I've got, that uh, that theme I play at the beginning, that CBS theme that's most well-known, uh, unfortunately, apparently, according to rumors, will not be the case for, uh, you know, we've got it for a couple more years, but I think if I remember correctly, in 20, 2023, uh, the contract with CBS for the SEC is coming up, and the and CBS has decided not to renew. So SEC would be completely would be exclusively to ESPN, uh, which would unfortunately, uh, outside of the CBS Sports Network games, obviously, uh, would render that theme obsolete, which would be a very sad day. Uh, but a not a very good week for the SEC this week, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But let's start it off with some MLB playoff talk. And before we get to the playoffs itself, the big news coming out this week, White Sox fire their manager, Rick Renteria, and the pitching coach, Don Cooper. And... I'm just going to say it right now. This caught me way off, way off guard. I was not expecting this in the least bit. You know, the White Sox, they didn't exactly play, you know, standing lights out baseball. You know, they got knocked out in the first round by the athletics. And they were just a wild card team. But, and... You know, maybe this is me being naive and me being a little bit too hopeful. I mean, we've seen it in the NBA. We see, we've been seeing it uh, in the MLB. You know, he's the first one, but, you know, probably not the last. Uh, and And I'm sure we'll – well, we've already seen it in the NFL. We'll talk about that a little later. But going into – you know, 
the the bubble for the NBA and and this season for the MLB and and this season for the NFL and going into the draft for, for the NFL for that matter thought and and like I said maybe this is me being a little bit naive and and me being me being a little bit more understanding of things than than others are but with everything going on and the fact that you know, you had no fans, uh, you know, in the MLB and NBA especially, you had that, you know, you had that big break and then you had to restart. The MLB only had a, what essentially was, you know, a third of their season, a little more than a third of their season cut or, well, a little more than two, a little less than two thirds of their season cut, cut away. Uh you know, having that, having it be such a strange year, I thought that general managers and owners would be a little bit more lenient on things. And especially, you know, yes, this is a special year where five teams made it through the wild card. And so a team that made it to the playoffs didn't necessarily wouldn't have made it in other years. You know, the White Sox are a prime example. They were the seventh seed. So they wouldn't have made it into the playoffs in a normal season. But even with that, they still had an over 500 record this season. They still had a solid year. They still got a lot of accolades. And... I was just honestly very surprised at the fact that the White Sox made that move that quickly. Uh, so, you know, not sure who they're going to get now. It's going to be interesting to see the, the big rumor, which, I mean, okay, I guess. But, you know, it, it's kind of funny. It, it's kind of ironic, you know, uh this season especially, you know, we talked about Slam Diego and and all the all all the it, you know the ex, ex what what's the word I'm looking for? The of player like, you know, uh Fernando Tatis Junior and some of the other players not only on Slam Diego but throughout the league, you know, you've got Ronald Acuna in Atlanta. Players that are of this new generation of players and, and their their flamboyance and their, you know, what some may consider cockiness and, you know, them being showmen and all of that. You know, a lot of people, the those who were for that type of player is saying, you know, you got to go, you know, for for all those old school guys like myself, we're saying, you know, oh, you got to get with the times and all of this. It's a new generation, new era. And yet now, the you know, last last year, you know, the the Astros after their debacle and everything as the manager who I mean, he's been doing very well, but he's He's getting up there in age, definitely. He and he's of that old school mentality. 
And now you have the White Sox apparently looking at Tony Larusa as their new head coach or as their new manager. And it's it's funny to me to think about that you know that supposedly this new era in baseball where the old rules are being thrown out and it's a it's a new ball game and all of this and yet some of these teams are hiring managers that are you know from a by, you know from supposedly a bygone era so it, it it's kind of weird to me it's it's kind of iron it's very ironic to me how that has worked uh but you know if it works it works you know do i think the in chicago yeah definitely and hey i mean he may not have had to do it anyway if he goes to you know i i personally hope that it does come back but i i, I don't well i think tony larusa likes doing it he enjoyed the strategy of it like i do um, which is ironic because I'm an AL fan, yet I prefer the strategy and the intricacies of the NL game. But he's probably kind of subtly ha- happy, you know, because of his, you know, age and everything, that he doesn't have to worry about, you know, because he was notorious for doing the eight hitter as the pitcher and, and you know, all the different strategies and all the different kooky things that he did with an NL roster when he was in St. Louis. So it, it's kind of, you know, he. I'm sure he's kind of glad that he doesn't have to deal with that. But at the same time, I'm sure he enjoyed it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they do go that route, how he does. You know, Dusty Baker has done very well uh, in Houston. Obviously, he had a great roster in front of him so he didn't really need to do all that much you know Joe Madden had done has done a great job you know first in Tampa and now in Chicago you know so you've got you do have older managers uh that have been successful in the MLB so it's not impossible you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just, it's kind of ironic to me how all of these people are saying, oh, it's a new era, it's a new era, you know, you got to get with the times, yet these old old school managers are getting hired left and right. Uh, moving on to the playoffs itself, Tampa Bay is currently leading Houston 3-2, but it could have been, uh, it could have been, over last night if it wasn't for a Carlos Correa walk-off home run uh, that extended the series. Uh, He's the sixth player with a walk-off home run in in an MLB playoff elimination game. So that, I mean, that definitely gives the Astros some momentum going into game six, which is tonight. But still thinking, and unfortunately, I was wrong last week. I I thought the Yankees were going to be able to win game seven and move on. But I still think that the Rays will pull this one out and, and win it. Uh, 
I I think the tonight. I'm not sure. Um, you know, in all in all sports, I mean, obviously football isn't the case because it's just a one game, one game, one. You know, it's one and done. But in all series based sports for playoffs, it always seems like in some way, shape, or form, most series make it to seven games. Uh, whether you expect it or not, but and you know, I I don't want to be that you know conspiracy theorist, but you know there's probably a reasoning behind it, and that is cold hard cash. You know these leagues want to extend the playoffs as much as they can so that they can make as money as they can with as many games as possible. So, but I I still think that the Rays will clinch it. Whether it's tonight or in Game 7, either way, I think they will be able to pull it out. Uh, Atlanta, this is the big shocker to me. Uh, Atlanta leading LA 3-1. This is the second biggest shock to me of the playoffs behind how far Houston has been able to get to. And so if we got an Atlanta-Houston World Series, that would just be totally... That that would be just a total 2020 thing to happen. And a lot of people, you know, it it didn't happen on the Western side for the NBA, but I would argue that it did happen on the Eastern side for the NBA playoffs. A lot of people, when everything was shut down, and, well, once the bubble was announced and once the shortened season was announced for the MLB, a lot of people thought, oh, this year with the crazy way that it's being played is ripe for upsets and ripe for a team to come out of nowhere and either win the whole thing or at the very least uh, make it interesting. And that has definitely happened in the MLB. And... Like I said, you know, if if we see a Houston Atlanta, now it, it's kind of funny. If it were, if this had happened, if you had said Houston Atlanta back in January was going to be the World Series, I think a lot of people probably would have stuck their nose up at Atlanta. They would have been, oh, it's too quick. It's too quick. There's no way that Atlanta's going to make it all the way to the World Series this quickly. They're still a young team. And Houston, a lot of people would have sighed and huffed and puffed and they're like, oh my God, not again. What are they doing now? Uh, like I've said before, like I've said over the past couple of weeks, if Houston does make the the World Series, and especially if they somehow win it, as long as we have some semblance of semi-normalcy next year, those beanballs are going to be coming back hard and fast. I, you know, I, I think, especially, you know, if they win it, if they, if they had a slump year this year, which I initially thought they would, and a lot of people thought they, or a lot of people thought they were having, initially. 
But if they had a slump year and didn't make the playoffs or got knocked down in the first round or something, I think a lot of teams and a lot of players would just drop the whole Astro Gate or whatever you want to call it. Trash can gate uh, thing. With them being, you know, I mean, they still need to win. They they still do need to win. They're currently down 3-2. But if they're able to pull out these last two games and make it to the World Series, even if they were to lose to either L.A. or Atlanta, I still think that a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of fans are going to be like, okay, you know, we weren't able to get our revenge last year. And they were able to still win. So we got to get it this year. Because we're back to a bit of normalcy. Like I said, again, this all depends upon if the things are back to at least semi-normal next season. Next April. But I could potentially see that. Going back over to Atlanta, leading L.A. 3-1. The one thing that really helped Atlanta. And now, not not to take anything away from Atlanta. They've been playing great. Their offense has been on fire thus far. But one thing that definitely helped them, and I would say it should be 2-2 if it wasn't for this, is the fact that Clayton Kershaw had to miss game two. You know, and and I'll just say right now, I I personally think if if they did not have uh if if they did not have game two, uh or or if Clayton Kershaw was in the uh if playing Kershaw was in that game, then then I think the uh, the Dodgers would have won that game. So you know that that's just me. That that's just my thought thought on the matter. But I honestly do think that Kershaw. Uh, had been in that game, especially because it was a close game. It's not like it was a, you know, huge blowout by the Braves. You know, they only won 8-7. So if if Clayton Kershaw was pitching at night, this, this would be a 2-2 series. Uh, but he wasn't, so the, the Braves get a break. And do I think they can win it? It's looking good. It's three-one. They're li- the next the game. The next game is tonight. Do I think they're gonna finish it off tonight? Probably not, especially with how series go. Uh, but I I think that the Braves will. I I think the Braves at least have a good chance. Of pulling off, they only need one more win, and they've got the game. So the likelihood of them 
losing all three, it's not impossible. Unfortunately, as a Yankee fan, I know as much. You know, the Red Sox pulled off coming back from 3-0. But can the, you know, but is it going to be hard for the Dodgers to come back from 3-1? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't see it very often. That is for sure. So, you know, is it possible for it to happen? Definitely. But will it happen? Probably not. Uh, you know, so that's that. That's my thought on, on the situation. It will more than likely be, I'm going to say Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Uh, but I think the more interesting series, personally, because Tampa Bay, Atlanta, yeah, you know, you have kind of the story of Atlanta coming out of nowhere and, and getting to the World Series. That's pretty much it. Whereas, if you get Houston, L.A., that's a big matchup because of the history between the two teams. If you get Houston Atlanta, it you know, the Houston story is still there. But with Tampa and, and Tampa Bay LA, you don't really have much there either. You know, it, it's kind of ironic while the MLB probably wouldn't want in the World Series because it brings back all those thoughts of a couple of years ago and it and it puts them back into focus a little bit. At the same time, in terms of fan interest and in terms of a storyline, that's the better team between them and Tampa to get in. So it, it, it's kind of I wonder what what Rob Manfred and the MLB front office are thinking about this. It's a very interesting uh, thought to have. One final M- MLB story uh, before we take a quick break. Joe Morgan passed away at 77. Uh, condolences to his family and everything. I'm a I'm too young to have seen him. Uh, play at all you know I've seen clips of him and everything he was a great player but what most in my generation think of when they think of Joe Morgan is Sunday Night Baseball Miller uh, you know you know baseball tonight uh, you know and, and a lot of people and I would have to agree with them that John Miller and or uh yeah, John Miller and Joe Morgan were the best uh team broadcast team for Sunday night baseball of all time. So, you know, t- tough loss for the baseball world and baseball's been hit hard this year. They you know, I I, I saw someone post either on Facebook or Twitter of you know, this year just ba- just off of players that have died this season, you could make a Hall of Fame caliber roster right there. You know, you have Tom Seaver, you have Joe Morgan, uh, 
I think did Lou Brock I think Lou Brock died this year. Um I'm drawing a blank on all of the names that died. Uh you know, uh Don Larson died this year. There have been so many names uh that have died this year and you know it, it's it's 2020, you know. That when when anything negative happens, uh, it's you know this season it's pretty or this year it's basically like well it's 2020. What what can you do? Didn't start off well with Kobe, and you know then you got the coronavirus, and yeah, this year has just been one hell of a year. So, but I'll we'll take a quick break. Come right back. Talk a little NBA. Talk about the Lakers. Talk some NFL. Talk some college football. And then get you guys ready for talking some Friday Night Lights at 8. And then we've got Lou and Brandon Dunn, Lou Bejek and Brandon Dunn coming on at 8.30 and 9. And as always, if you want to call in, talk some sports, whether it be national, local, regional, college, pro, high school, what have you. Whatever you want to talk about, those lines are open. 323. 323- Seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call. That number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We'll be right back at, to bring you more sports unlimited here on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and we've got some NBA news to talk about. But first, like I mentioned, if you want to call in, talk about anything sports-related, 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And we have some NBA champions, the Los Angeles Lakers, Win the 2020 NBA championship in six games. The as a whole now has uh, a ton of championships. Uh, LeBron gets his fourth. Uh, and, you know, now the debate continues. You know, the, the Lakers now have 17 championships. Uh, which is the most in NBA in, in the NBA. LeBron has four now, and once again the debate ramps up again. You know of of him. Where does he stand on the greatest of all time level? And it, I I think I. I'm just going to say, Braun, no matter what his numbers are, no matter what his accolades are, I don't think LeBron ever gets the level of MJ. Even if he wins two or three more titles and gets a, you know, gets more than MJ. I think just the impact that that Jordan had on the league and on sports as a whole, uh, is something, you know, there are certain players that no matter how you want to look at their stats and whatnot, there there are certain players that even if you look at their stats and and they don't look, you know, in modern terms, they don't look all that impressive. Just their presence on and off the field impacted the league so much, you know, uh, for baseball, you know, got the likes of Babe Ruth, uh, you know, the, the one in particular that I can say that, you know, yeah, he had some great numbers, but if you really look at it, especially now, well, now it's very impressive because certain, because players don't, have that sort of longevity and everything. But if you look at it relative to some of his, even some of his contemporaries and, and, you know, players beyond, you know, after him, you know, Jackie Robinson, if you look at it purely on a numbers level, yeah, he was a great player, but, you know, would you consider him the greatest of all time or one of the greatest of all times? Just looking at it purely on a stat-based level, probably not. But if you look at it on impact, impact to the game, he he definitely has to be up there. Because without him, you would have you would you wouldn't have Ricky Henderson. You wouldn't have a Gibson. You know, you wouldn't have a Bob Gibson. You wouldn't have all of these incredible names, you wouldn't have a Barry Bonds. So, you know, 
in terms of impact consideration as well. Because and and I'm I'll bring it back to the MJ and LeBron comparison. Now I don't know this for sure. You know, this could all just be speculation. But without the impact of Jordan and how big of an impact if you took Jordan away from the NBA in the in the late 80s, you know, going into the 90s and going throughout the 90s. Would a LeBron, who was a two-sport athlete in high school, would LeBron have, instead of saying, I want to be going to the NBA, which, you know, LeBron wore 23 because he, he you know, uh, aspired to be like Mike. Would he instead have gone onto the gridiron? gridiron? Interesting question. So you you can't really even, and I'm sure there are players. There are I'm sure there are players um, who grew up in the mid to late 2000s, who, or who are growing up now, who are you know saying I want to be like LeBron and and are deciding to go the NBA basketball or and that's one thing that a lot of people have criticized baseball about especially now there are other factors as well but that's one thing that a lot of people have criticized baseball for is the fact that they don't really have that you know that player that kids can resonate with and and relate to and and aspire to be in order to send them down the baseball path Now, whether that's right or wrong is is up for debate, obviously. But uh, while I think LeBron definitely has that, I don't know if it's quite the level of a Jordan. Uh, You know, even going back, you know, even going back further, you know, Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, uh, you know, these guys are, are, are players that, transcended the league and and don't get me wrong lebron has certainly transcended the league but in other ways you know a lot of his with his philanthropy and with his activism and all that he has certainly made a big impact on the world but i just think you know and and I think the whole greatest of all time and, and LeBron, the whole LeBron Jordan thing really is what kicked it off because this debate has been raging for a decade at least now. I mean, hell, even, you know, it's, it, 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 it reminds me of, and we'll probably be getting this for the next, we'll probably be getting this for the next decade once, once LeBron retires and everyone's done with debating it. Debating who's who's on top between LeBron and Michael. This this one will continue for at least another maybe twenty years. Mahomes and Brady. We're already getting the debates between who's the greatest of all time between those two, and Mahomes has just won one title. Yeah, so it's like that. That's the way LeBron's has been. As soon as he stepped onto an NBA court, already. 
people were saying, oh, is is he the greatest greatest of all time? Slow it down a little bit there for Mahomes. But with LeBron, the, the debate is definitely legitimate. And even if he doesn't get to that top spot, which there will be people, no matter what LeBron does, no matter what his accolades are, there will always be people, primarily from my generation or the generation uh, before it, that will say Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And I can understand why. I can understand why. But, you know, even if LeBron doesn't get to that top spot, he's still one of the greatest of all time. And I think that's one thing that people need to start realizing is you can't really uh, – you can't really delineate, you know, through generations and through eras. Because, it's, you know, it is like trying to compare whether it's LeBron or, or Jordan or Kobe to the likes of Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell and, and all of those guys from the past. And in baseball, it's even more so. You can't really de- You can't really debate who would be better between a Mike Trout and a Babe Ruth. Because the eras and the way the game is played and all of that are just so much different that you can't really com- – it's comparing apples and oranges. It really is. But once again, congratulations to the Lakers. A lot of people will also debate if this one's legitimate because of the bubble. Stop it with that. The Lakers deserved it. They would have more than likely won it regardless of uh, with it because they would have had a crowd to to help them out. Just just stop with that. Just stop. The Lakers won the title. They they got their title. They got their seventeenth. And, and and that's all I can say about it. LeBron got his fourth. Lakers got their seventeenth. And and that's it. That's it. Moving on to another Lakers story, which this one I was surprised at, especially after the Lakers just won the title. And 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 this player isn't no spring chicken. You would think he'd want to stay on a team that, you know, he doesn't really have to do a ton. And, and he can win championships left and right. But Rajon Rondo decided to opt out of his contract with the Lakers. And he will become a free agent this offseason. I was beyond surprised when I saw this come out. Because, you know, he's you know, he's on the championship team. He just won an NBA title. It doesn't look un you know, unless he knows something that we don't about where some players are moving this offseason. It doesn't look like anyone. I mean, yeah, the Warriors are going to be healthy this year, and they're going to be a threat. You have the Mavericks up and coming. You have some other teams. You have the Clippers still, which we'll talk about them in in just a bit. But I still think it's the Lakers' conference to win. It, it's or excuse me, it's still the Lakers' conference to lose. And in the East. Yeah, you got the Bucks still. You got the Raptors still. The Nets are going to be good now being fully healthy with Kyrie and Durant. But I 
still don't think, especially with you know, with how you know the Bucks are getting a new coach, the Sixers have a new coach, even the Nets have a new coach, and Durant and Kyrie haven't played together yet. So there's going to be some growing pains. It's not going to be perfect. I mean, you, we we all saw, you know, everyone thought that the big three with the Heat, their first year, they were going to run through everyone. But they need, they need a couple of years to, you know, get that chemistry going. So I don't see them being a, you know, can they make it to the championship? Yeah, absolutely. But do I think they're going to win it? No. No. Not right away. Not in the first year. So I... So... And go to one of these teams and make them a legitimate contender? And he wants to, you know, extend his legacy? I don't get why he left. I don't get it. Because at at his point in his career, and especially with the type of player that he is, He's never really been the type that I would think is the flashy type. He doesn't exactly seem like the type that's going to say, I want the accolades. You know, whether, you know, when he was in Cle or when he was in Boston, he was kind of the, I would say the four. Yeah. He was the fourth wheel of that Boston championship team behind Durant or behind Pierce Garnett and, Allen. You know, he Rondo was just the facilitator. And that's where he seen maybe that's why maybe that's why his skills aren't utilized in LA with LeBron basically running as a point forward. You know, Rondo needs to be the guy that, you know, has the ball bringing up the court and being able to facilitate and and run the plays. Maybe that's why. That's the only thing I can think of. But even then, I think you could you could figure something out that would work, that would allow Ronda to stay. So the, it, it was just very surprising to see this come out, especially only a couple of days after the Lakers won the title. So we'll see where he lands. It's going to be very interesting to see where he lands. Especially because you would think that he would want to, you know, he's one. I I think this is at least his second. He might have been one on one or two other championships teams in between. But you would think he'd want to win at least one more title before he retires because he's getting up there in age. He's not exactly, you know, he's not exactly gonna, you know, his play style allows him to play. He's still probably gonna play for a few more years with his play style, but he's getting up there. So, very surprising. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands. One final NBA note. Clippers hired Tyron Lue as their new head coach. Do I think this is going to be the the thing that gets them over the hump? <sighs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he does have a pedigree. You know, uh, he he does have a pedigree. He does, 
you know, he has been a good coach in the NBA. He's been around the league for a long time. You know, he was with Cleveland when they won their title. But that was that was only, uh, you know, that was his first year. And he didn't really have to do all that much. Uh, he has been with the Clippers. He was with the Clippers this year as an assistant. So he knows he knows the players. Maybe getting a fresh face in there will help help the franchise. But I just I don't see this being the thing that makes the Clippers the front runners. Could I be wrong? Absolutely, absolutely, I could be wrong. But do I? But do I think I'll, I'm wrong? No. That'll do it for NBA news. Moving out moving out to the gridiron, uh, the big news that came out this week, Dan Quinn fired as the Falcons head coach. Not really all that surprising with how they've been playing, but now the question is, where do they go from here? Who do they get to replace him? The Falcons season is essentially over at this point, so they may just wait it out and see how the coaching carousel moves throughout this season and going into the off season and decide to make a move there and just let the interim head coach run the team for the time being, maybe even allowing him to, you know, allow him to see how he can do. Uh, But yeah, that's going to be interesting. Some, some bad news for the Falcons uh, this week. Uh, well, I mean, firing your head coach isn't exactly all that great anyway. Some even more bad news for the Falcons. They were forced to shut down their facility after multiple positive cases yesterday. What's surprising to me is that the game against the Vikings is still on. Now, granted, we've seen this with a couple of teams where teams uh, had, you know, where the teams had cases and they tried to push forward and make, you know, they got the last second tests before they, but before they decided to postpone the game. So that may be the case. I have a feeling that that game uh, between the Falcons and the Vikings is probably going to be canceled. But it's not looking good for the NFL. They're probably going to have to stop being stubborn because we've seen it, whether it comes to sports or elsewhere throughout the world, it seems like the the areas and, and the organizations that have decided not to be stubborn and try to push forward, you know, without any changes, and have said, okay, we understand the risks of this, and we need to, you know, adapt. We need to change adapt, and conquer. They have been the ones who have been able to survive. You know, look at the NBA with the bubble. Look at the MLB having to finally go with a bubble. So they've, you know, those are the those are the organizations NHL too with the bubble. You know, those are the organizations that have done well. NFL needs to 
figure out something because already it's getting to be a tight squeeze at the end of the season. We got a caller on the line, so let's go to that. Hey, you're on Sports Unlimited. How's it going? It's uh, Brandon, Richie down in Charleston, man. Hey, uh, good hey, show. Good, good first hour, brother. Getting ready for Friday Night Lights. Yep. I'll be heading over to West Ashley where the Wildcats welcome in Fort Dorchester Patriots. Patriots, of course, uh, with the win, they clinch a position in the playoffs, take another step towards uh, winning that region over there uh, with a uh, with a loss, uh, or should we say a West Ashley surprising upset win. Boy, that makes it really interesting with a handful of teams with one loss in the well, with uh, well, one loss in the region, which would be uh, a handful of teams. But long story short, you know, there's so many headlines, not just the West Ashley hosting Fort, which I do strongly believe, with all due respect to West Ashley, I think the Ford's one of the best teams in the Low Country, without a doubt, the best team in the Low Country, and I think they're probably one of the strongest teams in the lower state. So that's going to be, uh, you know, one of those conversations. But then the other game in that same region that you're looking at is going to be Somerville playing their rival, Ashley Ridge. Now, shake this thing up a little bit, if you will. And if by chance, if by chance uh, you, you get Ashley Ridge beat Somerville, that makes it even more interesting for, for West Ashley and how that works out. But, you know, that's kind of a neat thing, Brandon, for high school sports is there's so many headlines. Do I strongly believe in everything I have that Ashley Ridge probably is going to fall a little short? I think Somerville wins that game. I think Mm -hmm. they just have a few more guys that make a few more plays. I know in my heart I believe to say that Fort pretty much probably wins this one by 30. There's just too many game changers. There's too many guys not playing – four quarters that are well-rested for a game like tonight on the road, a region win, you know, that's just my thing. I know Ashley Ridge and, and West Ashley played each other, and that was, you know, a, a big win for, of course, uh, West Ashley. And uh, you, you look at, you know, West Ashley lost to Somerville. So you see kind of the clear cell and the, the triangle there. But it's Fort that's beating everybody and scoring an average of 58 points a game and only giving up 10. So, for me, I, I, I see that happening. And then on the other side of 5A football, you go to this other region over in the Berkeley County area where Stratford, who's kind of been the surprising team down here in the low country, along with West Ashley, shown a lot of surprise. And Denny has beaten the Knights of one, Somerville and Wando, which now Wando is, looks to be out. But if by chance Stratford can beat a rival Berkeley team, which they're very close in proximity, Stratford's possibly looking at all the, all the clinch in the playoff spot. That's mm-hmm. crazy. You know, those well, that, are the headlines. I know you're going to be in a big game tonight as well with my alumni yeah. hosting the Carolina Force uh, Panthers. Well, the crazy thing, first going, you know, with the Fort Dorchester and, and West Ashley and Somerville, that whole storyline, if Fort Dorchester and Somerville do what they need to do and win tonight, it basically sets right. up a championship game next week between the two because both of them yep. would be undefeated in the region and whatever loses that game is going to be the set. You know, both teams will essentially clinch a playoff spot regardless, but then next week right. will be 
the matchup to determine who is the region champion. And then right. over at Region 7, you know, Berkeley-Stratford, that's pretty much a play-in game right there. I think Goose Creek probably has the title locked up. But right. now Berkeley and Stratford are playing to decide who gets that second spot. Right. And, and, and now Goose Creek does have to still play Stratford. And let's be honest, Stratford very thin, right? You're looking at this is where, because of a short season, there's not a lot of time for uh, rebound time. You know, there's not a lot mm-hmm. of in-between times. There's not a, a, an off weekend for most teams. You know, I don't like to use that one word that's helped a lot of teams get some time off. But and I'm going to tell you another secret. This is it. You, you catch that little word that we don't talk about on, on, on Southern Sports Central over there on Mondays and Wednesdays. You know, your, your season's done. You know, there is uh-huh. no more delay of game. It's no more game, right? That's, you, you take the L, you talk about it next year. So, so uh-huh. that's going to be a whole new conversation going forward after this weekend, right? So this is kind of like your last weekend to use a mulligan. But to go I back to that something. I thought I saw something about Wade Hampton getting their whole the rest of their season shut down because of it or something. Well, if it is true, and what you're saying is true, then here's the thing. That probably means that they're out of contention for a playoff. Well, they are. And I get that, right? Yeah, if you're not in contention to play in the playoff game, then what's the point? But that could To some degree, someone would say that. However, I I disagree with that, though. I think you play. If you can play, you play. Because there's kids that need these games Mm -hmm. to play anyway, to get a scholarship, to make that final memory. It's not just about the playoffs. And, you know, I get it for guys like Fort, for guys like Carolina Forest, where you and I get to hang out with these dudes week in, week out, day in, day out. Yeah, that's their goal. Operation win a state championship. That, That doesn't matter what year, what time. It just knows it goes down on Friday night. So, yeah, if a team's canceling the season, that's kind of my thought process, you know. But I'm going to tell you, at 730 tonight, it is going to be a big game in West Ashley. The difference in Charleston County compared to Dorchester County, stadium capacities are different. They're allowing less people in the stands. So our TV production team is geared up. We're fired up. We're ready to roll. A lot of homework's been done. And I think I, I had this conversation with a guy on his radio show. He called me. On uh, on what was that Tuesday night, and he does a, a a broadcast in Alabama, and he asked me, he said, "Rich, man, you know people think that we show up on Friday nights and, and we just go to work and we're just we're just kind of doing it, like winging it." I was like, "Well, you know, the cool part of it is it actually ends on Friday night. It actually begins on yeah. for most of us either Saturday or Sunday morning, where we wake up, we start researching these other teams and start getting headlines from other players." and, and got to write down and look back at our notes from, from our team that we covered because it is a story that we tell for four hours or three hours. And, and, and so there's a, it's a huge justice that's done to, to educate those who are listening. Because, again, for me, I've been very fortunate. You know, I'm part of a great family and a great team on Friday nights. The production team is an amazing group of guys and girls that do what they do. And, you know, we're winning. You know, that's the fun part. But we're winning by 30 and 40 points. So you have to find other things to talk about because after a while, you know, you, know, you, you got to give them something else to kind of hang on to, broken down some things that, that maybe not you might not have known about Ford or a team that we play. But if by chance, and I feel that there is a chance, that Fort wins tonight, of course, and I do have that feeling they win by 35, maybe 40, 
It's just because they have that many guys. Not that West Ash is not any good. Sometimes super better. I mean, ask those guys who have played that sport the last four years, right? Uh-huh. That happens. There's so many receivers, six foot five to all the way to five seven, and every every check mark in between with the other three guys. You got two running backs under the lightning. You got a quarterback that's a sophomore that knows how to read. As good he will be. Mark my words, in the class of 23, because he's a sophomore, he will be the best quarterback coming out of the state of South Carolina. He will be one of the top quarterbacks in the country in wow. Dalton Osborne. Write that down. You heard it right here first on Brandon's show. He will be, no doubt about it. He moves, he reads, and he decides like a senior today. He's a sophomore. Kid is a very elusive kid. He throws the ball like I've never seen a kid can throw it at any age. His ability to read the defense and, and, and call audibles without the coaches even say anything to him, I think it's, it's superb. So that part's fun. But Somerville wins tonight. They knock West Ashley. They're done, of course, with West Ashley, with, with, with Fort beating them. Ashley Ridge is done if Somerville beats them. And like you mentioned, that's a game. That's a big game. That is one of the biggest rivalries in the low country. It's Fort Dorchester, Somerville. And usually it's the last game of the year, but because of the stipulations, Brandon, you know, this game could be played, you know, in front of a packed house by the numbers that they're given, right? I mean, because they're only allowing somebody in. But winner take all, like you mentioned. There's a lot of region games like that coming up. That's the cool part. I hated to see now Goose Creek and Berkeley played open and weekend. It was great for us in the media, but I would have liked to see what it would have looked like going later into the season. But here's my question to you. If a team clinches a playoff berth or even clinches that region, do they keep putting starters in on a regular basis going towards the end of the year in a non-region game or a game that's not even going to help them any numbers because they've already clinched the spot going forward? I think at this point, and this is the age-old question about, especially in football, you see it all the time in you see it in college as well, their starters and in, in those last final games after they've clinched the playoff spot or clinched the division or whatnot. My thought on it is this. I would be starting my starters for maybe the first quarter, maybe half of the second quarter, just to keep them fresh. Because you see it all too often in the NFL and in college of teams that will essentially skid into the playoffs because they've been they've had they've been able to rest their starters for the past two or three weeks. And as a result, when they have to turn that gas back on once you get into the playoffs, you're a little rusty. And it sometimes causes those top level teams, those top seeded teams, to lose in whether it's the first round or the second round because they're not ready to play once that ball is kicked off in the playoffs. Right. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the thing. And, and you know, not going to give out any things that I've heard from coaches across the area down here, but I think that's kind of the census of everybody down here. you got to keep them playing. you got to keep them moving. It's no different than a car. You can't leave the car in the yard even though it exactly. may be a newer car than, than some of the other cars in the yard, you still got to keep it moving, you know, or, or it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a little bit of hiccup on it. You got to keep that rust off of it. You know, uh, another team before I get off of here with you, man, a great show today, man. I love the energy in the morning. I think it's a, a phenomenal 
phenomenal cast and all that, and uh, the layout's incredible. But watch out for a – I know Myrtle Beach is the big dog or the big mm-hmm. hawk up there on the beach, but don't get your eyes without watching down here in the low country in the lower part. You got Buford. These guys, I'm telling you, that's just where Eamon Smalls is. That's that young – they call a baby boy down there. is a, a lineman, 300-pounder, 6'6", already got that offer as a freshman last year from South Carolina. They're on the pass, big defensive guy in the secondary. They got a lot of game changers. They got a lot of guys down there in that 4A ball that, that I think are going to get some attention. But they're in a great place because they kind of hide off in the cut, if you will, of the low country. And that's where they want to be. I had to get them to think that, that way. They wanted all this attention. I said, okay, careful what you ask for. Mm-hmm. Sneak attack is the best attack, bro. Let them think, this, who, what? Buford. I thought that was just a county. Didn't know they had a high school. Man, these dudes have a five-star football field that just got opened up this year, along with about three other schools down there. There's a lot of great football tonight. Guys, the only thing I'm going to say before I jump off with you, Brandon, is to the fans, please, we say this on every one of our shows, when you go to somebody else's house, sometimes they want you to take your shoes off. You might not do that at your house, but you ain't at your house no more. You're at their house. Take your shoes off. Well, in this situation, put your mask on. Separate. Remember, look at the NFL. Brandon just mentioned it. They're doing a very not a good job. All right? Mm-hmm. NBA, five-star service, bubble work, things are happening. Even the major leagues, for the most part, in baseball, it's happening. Not so much in the NFL. And you're seeing it in other areas of the state. Thank God the low country is not one of them, and I don't believe – the grand strand is mm. just because you can do something doesn't mean you do something. Okay. Do your part so these kids can have a memory and they can make a night on a Friday night. And I tell you what, that state championship trophy, I just saw it yesterday. It looks the same as the one from last year. And it'll look the same next year. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a great, great time, uh, you know, for, you know, the remainder of the season. And the one thing that's interesting, I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but uh, we haven't heard yet still where the state championship is going to be located this year. Nope, haven't heard anything. Um, I'll have a conversation at 1 o'clock today with some guys in the middle of the state. That's one of the topics I'm going to talk about. Um, again, if you're looking to be socially distanced, and I'm not going to crack any jokes on my game talks because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an alum there. And, of course, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of that happening right now. And you talk about coaching changes. Boy, that's a conversation right now. Um, but there's a lot of room to be socially distanced at a large stadium mm-hmm. like williams Bryce Stadium. So why you would not take it there and spread out fans across that massive, you know, uh, seating capacity is, is beyond me. But I guess, you know, hey, look, here's the deal. You get to the state championship and let those dudes do what they got to do, but trust them to leave me. There'll be enough room for mamas, daddies, and grandmas and probably a few of your neighbors to come and watch than it is, of course, on a regular Friday night. Brandon, enjoy the rest of the oh, show, man. I'm going to hang up, and I'll listen to you guys uh, on the radio. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Richie, once again. As always fun talking with talking some high school football with Richie, host of Southern Sports Central. Uh, but yeah, he, he brought up some good points, some big matchups in the lower states and that we'll talk about them in a little bit. 
I'll take a quick break. We're a little past the top of the hour. Uh, Take a quick break. Come right back. We'll talk some high school football. Uh, Then we have Lou Bejak coming on from the state at 830. Brandon Dunn from WPDE coming on at 9. So loaded cast coming up for you guys in the next half hour or so, next hour or so. And if you guys want to join in on the conversation, that number to call, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited and Sports as we're about a little under 20 minutes before Lou Bejak joins us from the state. And we'll talk some high school sports right now in preparation for him and Brandon Dunn later on to come on. We'll try to wrap back around to some national news in a little bit, but let's go local and here in the state of South Carolina for some recruiting notes. Elijah Spencer from Dutch Fork was offered by Tulane earlier this week. He's currently committed to Charlotte, but it'll be interesting to see if he potentially decides to decommit and go over down south to Nolens in the Green Wave. Um, decent program down there in, at Tulane. May may decide to do that. Colin Sadler from Greenville was offered by Florida. A big offer for him. Uh, from the upstate. And he has a big game this weekend. We'll talk about that one in just a little bit. Jaleel Skinner from Greer, offered by Clemson. Congrats to him. That's a big offer for him. Xavier Short from Chapin, offered by Appy State. CJ Stokes from Hammond, also offered by App State. 
Zach Chalmers from Newberry offered by App State as well. The Mountaineers deciding to come down to South Carolina to try to find some recruits. And they've done that over the past couple of years with some success. So they're going to look to continue doing it. They're creating a little bit of a pipeline here in the Palmetto State. Josh Sapp from Greenville, offered by Georgia State. Sam Henderson from Traveler's Rest, offered by UNC Greensboro. And Chase Simmons from right here in North Myrtle Beach, offered by Fordham. So, lots of big-time offers. Not, o- only one really, really big-time offer, or actually two, excuse me, and that's Sadler and, and Skinner getting those Power 5 offers. But even those Group of 5 offers, even the you know FCS offers, Still big deals, and and the fact that South Carolina football is growing, South Carolina high school football is growing so fast, and and is becoming big, and not just in the upstate. You know, even going back, you know, three, four, five years ago, the upstate was, you know, outside of Dutch Fork, the upstate was where it was at. Upstate and Midlands was where it was at in terms of football. But now, Grand Strand teams are getting some looks. You know, Myrtle Beach is one of the top teams in the in the state. And, and some of their top guys are getting big-time offers. You know, you've got teams down in the low country that are getting some big-time offers. So, you know, this is a great time to be a Carolina high school football and now we'll talk about some notes uh from around the state for this week first obviously the the bad news riverside sparenberg was postponed seneca pendleton was canceled mullins king king's tree was postponed dorman wade hampton was postponed which results in no teams in Region 2-5A playing this week. So, kind of, you know, we, we were primarily talking about the Midlands as being hit really hard. State is getting it this week, and uh, they look, they're going to have to figure out something there to uh, get get things going. Uh, the uh, Sherrod North Central was originally pushed up to Thursday, but then canceled. And there are all of your cancellations uh, for the week. So first, some games from last night we'll talk about. Marion beat Latta 25-6. to Lakeview beat Timmonsville 46-8. to That clinches the Region 5-1A title for Lakeview. They look to be a very strong team uh, over in 1A. We'll talk to Brandon Dunn about them a little bit later on. The big news, the big shocker of the, I, I would have to say that this is probably the shocker of the season. Now they don't quite have the, they don't quite have as big of a history as Dutch Fork, but the fact that you're back-to-back state champions in one A. Aren't, they're not even going to be in the playoffs this season. That's that's big. That's big. Johnsonville beats Green Sea Floyd's 32-14 last night. 
As a result of that, Green C. Floyd is officially eliminated from playoff contention after winning back-to-back state championships. That that's that's big. That's big. Carver's Bay beat Hannah Pamplinko last night, 27-20. CA and CA Johnson beat WJ Keenan 22-20 as well. Uh so some some big games. We'll talk about them with both Lou and and Brandon in a little bit. Uh, some other games to watch out for. Some other interesting notes. Uh, Lower Richland and Irmo will face off this week. Both teams had games canceled due to COVID, uh, and they decided to get a game up this week because they were both free. We're going to ask about that, uh, how that game came to be with Lou in a little bit. Ren Belton-Hanea-Path moved from Friday to Saturday morning, so that'll be kind of interesting. It'll be interesting to see how those teams handle that that move and and playing in an odd time, especially down here. Uh, You know, if you're up north, there's, you know, you get a lot more Saturday afternoon high school football games. Uh, but, you know, down here and, and in Texas and in most areas in the country, it is Friday night lights. Uh, so you're getting, you know, so they're kind of playing in a weird spot. Big matchup in Region 1-3A, however, over there. Quick Grand Strand recap from last week. Carolina Forest lost to, Summer, or in, lost to Sumter in overtime in a heartbreaker 34-27 that was, I was calling that game Carolina Forest had it in the bag but turnovers turnovers is what killed the Panthers last week uh talk to Brandon a little bit uh with that later on Sockasty beat Conway 19-17 that leads us into this week's big matchup between Carolina Forest and Sockasty We'll talk about that one in a little bit. St. James beat Lamar 20-12, to and Lamar still put up a good fight in spite of the loss. And, you know, for a 1A to come out and and at least stay neck and neck with a 5A is, is still a big deal. North Myrtle Beach dominated Wilson 38-7 last week. Myrtle Beach destroyed West Florence 51-14. Myrtle Beach solidifies their place as the team to beat, not only in Region 6, but I would say in all of 4A. I don't see any team beating them this year. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think anyone's beating Myrtle Beach. Loris beat Georgetown. And Lakeview beat Johnsonville 30-20. Some out-of-area recaps. Dutch Fork beat River Bluff 41-7. Tough way to start the season for River Bluff, for the Gators. Uh, You know, having to face off against Dutch Fork to start off. But, you know, again, I don't think anyone's beating Dutch Fork either. I think 5A and 4A at this point. You know, in 5A, you may have a couple of teams that have a chance. You know, Dor or uh, you you know Burns potentially, Fort Dorchester potentially, Sumter potentially, but still, I think Fort Dor or I think 
Dutch Fork is the team to beat. And, you know, barring something crazy happening, they're going to win another state championship. They have yet to lose. They have yet to not win the state championship since 5A has been a thing. Let that sink in for a second. Moving on, you got Gilbert and you got Gilbert being Brooklyn Casey, fifty six forty two. Great Collegiate beat Saluda thirty four twenty four. AC Florida Flora beat Irmo forty five fourteen. Buford beat May River thirty seven fourteen. North Augusta beat South Aiken twenty one sixteen. Daniel beat Wren thirty to ten. Camden beat Lake City 48-20. Oceanside in the game of the week down in the Low Country. Oceanside beat Hanahan 16 or yeah, 16 to 7. Chesney beat Landrum 40 to 14. That win clinched them a playoff berth. Christchurch beat Crescent 24-13. Southside Christian beat McCormick 47 to 20. And Whale Branch beat Baptist Hill 21-20. to Some Grand Strand games to watch this week. Carolina to decide, more than likely, barring something crazy happening. But I think even with the tiebreakers, considering this is Sakasti's last game in region. So a win here would make them 3-1. No, actually, I take that back. No matter what, if if Carolina Forest, whoever wins this game, think I'd have to do the math. I I'm I'm gonna have to do the math prior to the game tonight. But I'm pretty sure if Carolina, whoever wins this game tonight, clinches a playoff berth because this is Sakasti's last region game. And Carolina Forest only has one left. Now, I now the only way that I think it could potentially well no even with yeah so whoever wins this game tonight is in, and whoever loses is out. So, uh, so that is that is some high stakes for tonight. You have Sumter at St. James tonight. Should be an easy one for the for the Gamecocks to win. This should be the game that they officially clinch the number one seed. Uh, but, you know, stranger things have happened this season. West Florence at Conway. Big non-region matchup for both teams, especially for West Florence. Now, non-conference or non-region games don't matter this season in terms of seeding, in terms of the playoffs. But it's still, you know, a win by West Florence tonight if if it comes to an at-large bid. Now, I don't know if they're officially not allowed to even take that into consideration. But if the, uh, if the, um, if the committee is able to take that into consideration... If West Florence were to win this game, that could be something that could sway some votes in their favor to put them in as as an at-large bid. Because more than likely, that's the only way they're getting in the playoffs this season. 
So that's a big game, especially for them. North Myrtle Beach at Darlington. Chiefs have to travel to Darlington again this season, where last year they lost in a big upset. And it was a heartbreaker for the Chiefs. And they thought, you know, it was a game that they should have won. It certainly was a game they should have won. And now they have to travel to Darlington again. They're going to have some revenge on their mind. You got Myrtle Beach at Hartsville. Myrtle Beach should be able to win that game pretty handily, especially with how Hartsville has been playing this season. West with Wilson at South Florence. Wilson trying to keep their slim chances of getting in the playoffs alive tonight. They should be able to win this one. But again, you know, it's it's gonna be that's gonna be a, an interesting game as well. Dylan at Waccamaw, that should be an interesting one. Both of those teams, uh, you know, basically essentially trying to keep their their playoff hopes alive. Uh, but the bigger matchup uh, there is Anor and Georgetown. Th- those two are fighting for that second spot uh, in in uh, Region Six or I think Region Seven. 3A. Some out of area games to watch tonight. Clover at Gaffney. Gaffney can clinch a playoff berth this week with a win over Clover. Matchup between 5A and 4A. We'll talk to uh, Lou about that matchup in a little bit. Dutch Fork at Lexington. Another team has to start their region play against Dutch Fork. And Dutch Fork can clinch a playoff berth with a win tonight. Like Richie and I were talking about, Stratford at Berkeley, much like Carolina Forest-Sockesty, matchup probably determines which out of the two make it into the playoffs. I think I think like the Carolina Forest-Sockesty matchup, it will, you know, with tiebreakers and, and everything, it would officially determine that. Fort Dorchester-West Ashley, Fort Dorchester can solidify their spot uh, in the playoffs tonight. and. And like I mentioned, if Stratford can win the game, or excuse me, uh, that was another matchup. Uh, the other matchup that is going to be interesting to watch is that Somerville Ashley Ridge matchup because if Somerville wins, next week the two face each other for the for the region championship. So that would be a very very interesting one to go into. You got Greenwood in, at Greenville uh, tonight. Greenville can clinch a region title tonight with a win and a Greer loss, but that Greer loss is very unlikely. Greenville probably will still need to go another week before they officially clinch. Southside at Palmetto more than likely will determine the winner of Region 2-3A. Blue Ridge at Powdersville, must-win game for both teams, especially for Powdersville. A few other matchups that should be fun uh, this uh, for the uh, for tonight: Chester at Fairfield Central, Camden at Crestwood, Lake City at Marlboro County, Timberlake at McCormick, Louisville at Lamar. Allendale, Allendale Fairfax at Bamberg Earhart. 
Baptist Hill at St. John. So a lot of good matchups throughout the state tonight. Uh, so, you know, no matter where you are in the state of South Carolina, you pretty much have a game that you can go to and that will be a fun one for you to go and watch or, or listen to or, you know, whether you obviously with COVID and everything, uh, you know, tickets are limited on a lot of games. But whether you're going to the stadium, obviously if you're going to the stadium, be careful, be safe, or you're watching the game at home or listening to the game at home, should be a fun night tonight. And we're getting closer and closer to the season start. Uh, the season finale and closer and closer to playoff time. So it's a fun time, Carolina. We'll take a quick break and we'll have Lou Bejack on the line when we return here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central as we have Lou from the state, Lou Bejak on the line. How's it going, Lou? Pretty good, Brandon. How you doing this morning? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. You've, you've had a uh, lighter week this week, the last week you've had thus far uh, this season when it's come to having to report, you know, postponements and cancellation. How nice has it been to actually be able to focus on some football this week instead of having to worry about what what the next team will be to drop? Yeah, we only had one unscheduled. Um, I mean, we had a few that carry over from this week, but only one so far this week, North Central, 
not being able to play uh, Shiraz this week and Central next week. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, it was last week. I, I got two phone calls at 3:30, uh, mm-hmm. so a few hours before kickoff, and teams found out. So we'll see. Hopefully, uh, everything can uh, go off smoothly tonight, and we don't have to worry about making games up. And just uh, as we get closer to uh, the end of the season, a few more weeks left uh, to that November 6th uh, end of the regular season. Yeah, it's getting close to that crunch time where you don't have that time to reschedule a game. So fingers crossed that everything stays smoothly uh, tonight and we don't have any last-minute cancellations like we did last week. One big matchup that did come as a result of some cancellations uh, for this week is Laura Richland and Irmo facing off as a last-minute matchup. How did this game come to be and, and where do you see this one going? Yeah, um, Irma was supposed to play, I think it was either Lugoff or Westwood when uh, they their uh, opponent, um, uh, Lugoff and Westwood, uh, had to miss the last two weeks. And then Irma, or uh, Low Richland was, uh, I forget how they, if they'd had an off week or they were going to play, um, they they had the open date, I forget, uh, who, who's not, Mid-Carolina, I think. Uh, tonight, yeah, they were supposed to play Mid Carolina, and then just the open date, and uh, it worked out that then uh, these two teams don't have to sit an extra week. I know some teams that I mean have had an open date, they don't want to play the extra or try and play. I mean, they try rather stay safe, but both teams uh, wanted the game. Irmo coming off a, a bad loss last week to AC Flora, and uh, Low Richland uh, struggling a little bit. Uh, they've had a couple close games uh, that they were in. They just haven't been able to get that first victory for uh, Coach Marlon Taylor. So we'll see if they can get it tonight. Uh, Irmo uh, is, is going to be, I mean, they got a couple of big region games ahead if they want to finish second in the region. And tonight uh, it's an out-of-conference game, but, I mean, trying to get their momentum back uh, last week. Uh, they were they were in it for a half against Flora, and then Flora really turned it up and uh, ended up, pouring it on and uh, now looks to be the favorite in, in their region. You you mentioned how this is one of the few matchups that have actually been made after cancellations and a lot of teams have decided to keep that open spot. Has that just been a matter what have you been hearing from coaches? Has that just been a, a situation where teams haven't been able to agree or do coaches actually want to keep that spot open for some rest? Oh, rest, and they don't want to mean I just think of uh, playing a team, and what what if you play a team and a couple players that don't know they have uh, COVID, and you play them, and then uh, your kids get sick. So that's mainly safe uh, reason. That's why some of the uh, near the end of the season, teams that uh, only scheduled five or six games don't want to play that last week before the playoffs, number one, to get rest, and number two, just to stay safe and that seems to be the the majority of the coaches. Although, uh, you know, coaches want to play. I mean, they're like like Shara, who got their game uh, postponed with North Central. I mean, they're going to go three weeks without a game. Newberry the same. You're going to go uh, long stretches without a game, and I mean, <laughs> you want you want to be sharp. I mean, and, and uh, it definitely hurts your rhythm. And the teams that uh, missed the first two weeks of the season, and then had to come last week for their first game. So, yeah, you want to you wanna stay sharp. And uh, 
a lot of coach. Some of the coaches though will want to get get a game in and uh, see where they stand. And even though it's a non-region game, just to get their kids playing on the field and uh, get get them in shape, keep them in shape uh, going forward. Yeah, that, that's one thing. Uh, you know, around here there have been there are a couple of teams that have that October thirtieth spot opened as a result of a couple of the cancellations and and postponements over in the Midland and it's, it's been, you know, it doesn't seem like there's not, there's much movement uh, when it comes to them finding an opponent. So I'm, ex- I'm expecting a few uh, teams taking that second to last week off over here on the grand strand. Last night you were over at CA Johnson, won a close one uh, over WJ Keenan. First off, is it, is it, much of a shock to see a 1A beat a, thir- a 3A when one is on top of the region while the other is at the bottom? Well, I mean, and see, Johnson struggled for so long. I know they won four games last year, but, I mean, it, it's been over a decade before they had more than four wins and uh, were a factor. But, uh, yeah, see, uh, Johnson, I mean, they didn't look good last night. I mean, they were down 20-2 to two in the third quarter. And uh, they just kept fighting, uh, forced a couple turnovers. They had a couple turnovers themselves that ended drives. But uh, this might be a special season. I mean, and now you got uh, next week they play at home for the region championship. And I don't know when the last time they won a region championship. It's got to be at least a decade uh, or more. And uh, it would be kind of special. Lamar has been a, a powerhouse in Class A and, We'll see if C.A. Johnson can do it. They, they've got a lot of confidence. The fans were out last night. I've been to a couple C.A. Johnson games where you have maybe 10, 15 fans in the stand. They were loud last night, and uh, they were <laughs> they were pretty excited to, to get that come-from-behind win. And now, now you play Lamar. And we talked about teams looking for games. Their last two opponents are non-region uh, games. Uh, their opponents have had to schedule region games uh, reschedule region games, so they, they play Lamar next week, and uh, if, unless they find two opponents, I mean, they're gonna be uh, not playing for two weeks and then go into the playoffs. So uh, we'll see. I know they're really looking forward to next week and uh, see where they stand. And uh, I mean, it would be pretty special for them to be five and zero and win a region championship. But it's gonna be gonna be a tough task. Uh, they definitely got to play a little bit better than they did last night with the mistakes and everything. But uh, Coach Walt Wilson, he's been around. He's coached a lot of football. He's coached uh, future pros. He's coached Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, He knows what it takes to build a Class A program uh, back up. And uh, he's got the fan base excited, the students excited, and his kids uh, believing that they could win. And I think that was a big part last night. Uh, Number one, I think they were in a little bit better shape. And number two, the, the confidence with a win in their first three games helped them last night. Speaking of Lamar, they came down here and, and fought St. James to a relatively close. You know, they, they lost the game 20 to 12, but they showed some promise. How much confidence that does that give a one, a team to be able to go on the road and, and at least put up a fight against a five, a a five, a program. Yeah, and you see that with Lamar. I mean, uh, I covered them a while when I, when I was in uh, the PD area, and they, they weren't afraid to play the 3A. 
I mean, they would regularly beat Darlington, which is a four A school, and they would play the Hartsfields, and they they definitely not afraid to play tough uh, opponents, and uh, they always have the talent. And Coach Wilkes uh, is in his uh, second year there, and uh, they always got the athletes and talent and the tradition. They're used to winning, no matter if they're playing against a three A school or one A school. So, yeah, that definitely will give them some confidence going forward. Um, like I said, I think it will be a great matchup next week. I think it will be a lot of points scored. Both teams have pretty good offenses. So <clears throat> we'll see what happens uh, and, uh, if they're able to come up here and get a win and uh, clinch that uh, region championship. You have two top teams in their respective regions playing tonight in di- from different classes, 5A and 4A, with South Point and Northwestern playing tonight. Uh who do you have in that one? Who do you give the edge to? And is there really that much of a difference between a top 5A and a top 4A program? Maybe a little bit of depth. I mean, I've seen Northwestern this year. They're they're pretty good. I mean, they struggled for the past couple of years. But uh, Coach Wofford, um, Paige Wofford has it really going right now. They have uh, – their quarterback is uh, pretty good. And they, they got some talent. Uh, Jakari Caldwell's uh, step uh, brother, uh, Jakari Caldwell's at South Carolina. His brother uh, Watkins, uh, he's uh, he had a big game when I, when I saw him play Blythewood. He had a kickoff return for a touchdown that uh, ended up being the game winner. They got a lot of athletes, and so does South Point. They got, they got Omega Blake who's going to South Carolina. They got um, just a lot of talent. Their transfer that uh, came in at quarterback from Statesville. He's getting a lot more comfortable. Uh, this is a big rivalry matchup, uh, and Northwestern definitely has uh, been the short end on the stick the last few years against these guys. I know they, they're wanting a better showing tonight, and, uh, you know, Rock, it's a great rivalry game, and they're really a measuring stick. And as Northwestern, uh, they weren't able to play last week against uh, uh, Spring Valley because of the COVID. They, uh, so we'll see uh, coming off a of bye week, and uh, they, they got some big region games coming up down the road, but this is a big one. They want to see where they're at and uh, bragging rights uh, for another year. Going down to 3A, there's a big matchup that pretty much this matchup will determine the the region winner over region four between Chester and Fairfield Central. What are the keys to this one, and who do you have coming out of this one on top? Chester, they're, they're big <laughs> quarterbacks done them, and they got that. Head uh, Darius Head, the uh, running back. They really run the ball well. Uh, I know Fairfield Central's at home. Um, they lost last week to York in an, a non-region game. And Chester had that had their game uh, postponed uh, right one of those games uh, a few hours before kickoff. So I know they're ready to get back on the field. And I just think their physical and their running game help in their experience in these situations. Fairfield, it's been a couple of years before they since they uh, won a region title like this. And uh, I don't know, I think uh, Chester has a little bit too much firepower and, and depth on offense. You, you talked about breaks, and we've been talking about breaks as a result of everything going on. One, one, one big one this week, Barnwell and Pelion. Pelion playing for two weeks. What are the coaches saying about the break and how prepared the team is? to get back on the field. Yeah, there it's definitely been a uh struggle for Pelion. I mean trying to 
uh, that are down the numbers as it is and then not playing for two weeks. And then you got to play one of the top two, I think the second-ranked team in um, Class 3A. They're, they're going to be a handful. You know, Barnwell uh, had to pull one out last week uh, rallying for a victory. But I just think uh, Barnwell, they weren't, they're not the caliber they were last year when they made it to the state championship. I think they'll be able to get things done uh, tonight for sure. One final question before we let you go. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. We're basically at the halfway point of the season now, but we still haven't heard anything yet on what the plans are for the playoffs in terms of the location of the the state championships. Have you heard anything on that, where where the state finals may be? Yes, uh, Commissioner Singleton a couple of weeks ago. They did not. They have not narrowed down a spot yet. Obviously, Williams Bryce would be probably their top choice, but financially, see if they can uh, secure it. I mean, that would help as far as with the social distancing, being able to spread out. I don't think the 1A and 2A will be at Benedict just because of that. I don't know if they'll be able to spread out like they get uh, pretty big crowds for those games, uh, especially last year. Saluda playing in the uh, state championship, so. I don't think they'll be able to distance as much. So I doubt they'll be played uh, there. Um, maybe they'll look at a high school venue. I mean, Spring Valley is a logical location. There's also uh, SC State uh, at uh, Oliver Dawson Stadium, uh, which is a, uh, years ago they were able to play the the smaller classification championship. That's That could be an option as well. So we'll see. Hopefully they said uh, at the latest they wanted to get uh, last week of the regular season or like first week of playoffs, but to narrow down something. So hopefully we'll hear something in a few weeks uh, where the championships uh, will be played. Um, like I said, I think the top option is Williams Bryce. We'll see if they can uh, make it happen though. Is there any potential if Williams Bryce isn't available that they could go up to Memorial or would that be too far for the lower state teams? Uh, and they brought it, I mean, I mean, that was brought up last year when that proposal was, um, and they were able to get the things that they needed last year to the sponsorship and everything. Uh, that, I mean, they made it, Clemson made a good pitch last year to, um, as far as that, but the travel is a big thing. And especially now with worrying about, you know, a lot of kids on buses and stuff like that. I mean, you're going to have to take extra buses to be, uh, extra cautious anyway in this situation. So, yeah, I don't think that will be a possibility, at least this year. Uh, maybe they'll revisit it next year when uh, things hopefully calm down. Well, thank, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, where are you going to be at tonight? I'll be at uh, Chapin and River Bluff. That should be a good game. Oh. Basically, could uh, definitely uh, maybe decide second place in the region uh, Chapin, especially if they win, uh, they're, they would be in a good spot uh, to uh, maybe lock up second in the region behind Dutch Fort. Well, thanks a lot for joining us again, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you next week, Lou. No problem, Brandon. Appreciate it. Yeah. Once again, that's Lou Bejak from the state. Great talking to him. He's the, he's the man to talk to when it comes to the Midlands. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of great games down, you know, out in the Midlands uh, this week. Uh, like I mentioned, we'll go through a few of the other games uh, this week uh, around the state. Like I mentioned, uh, Greenwood Green 
Louisville can clinch the region title with a win and Greer loss, but that Greer loss unlikely. Uh, Southside at Palmetto more than likely will determine the region to 3A winner. Blue Ridge Powdersville must win game for both teams, especially Powdersville. Uh, Chester and Fairfield Central, big game. Camden and Crestwood, big game there. Lake City and Marlboro County, big game in 3A. Timberland, Phillip Simmons, big game out there. Whitmer and McCormick, Louisville, Lamar. Allendale, Fairfax versus Bamberg, Earhart. And Baptist Hill against St. John's, those games all will be fun ones to watch out for. We'll go through the uh, media poll real quick before we take a break, and we'll have Brandon Dunn coming on at 9, going down the Dutch Fork, 13 number, 13 uh, first-place votes. They are the clear-cut favorite, the clear-cut uh, you know, team to beat over in 5A. Fort Dorchester jumps up from three to two, so congrats to them. Gaffney drops down from three from uh well yeah, Fort Just Dorchester jumps from three to two. Gaffney dropped from two to three. Uh you know, not really much of a difference there, just probably the the strength of win or the the margin of victory for those two games is the reasoning behind uh, why those two switched off. Foreman at four, Burns at five, Sumter at six, T.L. Hanna at seven, Goose Creek jumps up from nine to eight, Northwestern jumps from ten to nine, and Carolina Forest after that tough loss in overtime to Sumter. It's good to see them still getting in the poll uh, because that is a very tough Sumter team. And, you know, the fact that Carolina Forest was able to fight them into overtime is something to be commended, that's for sure. Some teams, other teams receiving votes, Boiling Springs, Berkeley, Hillcrest, Spring Valley, and Ridgeview. Going down to 4A, you've got Myrtle Beach at number one with 14 first-place votes. They are the cream of the crop in 4A, that is for sure. Uh, they are they are the team to beat. South Point at two, Greenville at three, AC Flora at four, North Merrill Beach jumps up from six to five, Westside jumped up from nine to six, Greer jumped up from ten to seven, Buford gets in the polls at eight this week after being not ranked last week. Greenwood drops down from five to nine after their loss last week, and that's Stays in the poll, drops from 6 to 10. But kind of surprising that they stayed in the polls considering how how decisively they got beat by Myrtle Beach last week. Uh, you know, it's, you, you know, it's not like South, or it's not like Carolina Forest losing the Sumter in overtime. That was a shellacking that the Seahawks put on the Knights. So kind of surprising that they're still in the polls. Was expecting them to be receiving votes this week, uh, but they are still at 10. Receiving votes are North Augusta, May River, Lawrence, Hartsville still, Catawba Ridge, 
and York. Over in 3A, you've got Dylan at number one with 12 first place votes. Chapman jumps up to th- from three to two with two first place votes. Dylan jumps up from four to three. Camden co- goes from five to four. Esther goes from six to five. Gilbert jumps up from six to eight or from eight to six. And Wren, after their tough loss last week, they drop down from two all the way down to tied with seven with Belton Hanea Pat who gets into the rankings for the first time after not being ranked last week. Wren lost to Dylan or Daniel, excuse me, last week thirty to ten. So it would make sense why Daniel is so high. Kind of surprising that they're not in second place and potentially getting first place votes after Wren was the number two team last week and Daniel beat them pretty handily. So surprising that they didn't jump further up. They just moved one spot from four to three. Uh, but, you know, Oceanside Collegiate at number nine and Anor gets in the polls at number 10 after not being in the polls last week. Union County, Palmetto, Orangeburg, Wilkinson, and Lake City. Going over to 2A, you got Abbeville at number one with 14 first place votes. Barnwell at two, Great Collegiate jumped up from five to three. Newberry dropped from three to four. Sherrod went to six, got up, went up from six to five. Timberland went up to seven from seven to six. Saluda dropped down from four to seven. Chesney at 8, Berg Leesville at 9, and Wade Hampton at 10. Also receiving votes is Andrews, Latta, North Central, and Christ Church. Now rounding it out over at 1A, Lakeview jumps up from 2 to 1 with 10 first place votes. Lamar goes drops down from 1 to 2 after their loss to the 5A School of St. James. Kind of surprising that they dropped it when they weren't even playing a 1A team. I understand it was a loss, but still, it was against a 5A school. They, they played them pretty well, all things considered. Lamar is still receiving four first-place votes. Southside Christian at three. Green Sea Floyd's at four. That will probably drop this week after their loss to Johnsonville. Johnsonville should probably be in the polls this week. Blackville, Hilda. That's the crazy thing. Let me just stop real quick. That's the crazy thing about this season. Green Sea Floyds was the top-ranked team in the state in 1A going into the season. They were still at four this week. More than likely, they're still going to be ranked after this week, and yet they're not making the playoffs. That that that's crazy. That that's some college football type stuff right there. That's the kind of thing you see in college football where there's that top team that is ranked all because of different reasonings, because of various things, uh they're not able to get into the playoffs. It, it it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Blackville Hilda's at five. Whale Branch is at six. 
Bamberg Earhart's at seven. Wagner Sally jumps up from ten to eight. Ridge Ridge Spring Mineta goes down from eight to nine. Carver's Bay jumps up from not being ranked to tenth. Wilson Elko jo- drops from eight to not being ranked but receiving votes. C.A. Johnson receiving votes as well. They may jump up into the polls this week as well after winning a big one uh, last night. Allendale Fairfax also receiving votes. Branchville receiving votes, as is Johnsonville, who got a big win last night over Green Sea Floyd. They more than likely will be ranked next week. We'll take a quick break. And then we'll have Brandon Dunn coming on. We'll talk some Grand Strand High School sports, get you ready for tonight. And all that good stuff, hour left on the show. And as always, if you want to call in and get your voice heard, 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back with Brandon Dunn here on Sports Unlimited. Where it began I can't begin to know But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Be 
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And joining me is Brandon Dunn. Brandon, how's it going? Going well, going well. Good Friday. How's everybody doing today? Yes, good Good Friday indeed. And some big matches. Before we get to tonight, you had a couple of games you were at last night. First, Marion Latta. What were your biggest takeaways from last night's matchup between those two? Well, I mean, you knew that that was going to be a big regent uh, opportunity for both teams uh, battling. And uh, not surprising the outcome, you know, Marion's just got a little bit more firepower uh, than Latta. And, I mean, uh, you know, let's be honest, Latta's only played one game this year, uh, and they, they hadn't played in a long time. It's been several weeks since they played. Um, so, you know, expected to, to be a little rusty and um, not really kind of sure how things were going to go. And <clears throat> Marion just a little too much. Um, shut them out in the first half, and uh, you know, ended up uh, ended up winning that game uh, with some strong defense and uh, and put it away. So Marion's in good position to uh, to reach the playoffs with that win. The the big matchup in in one big storyline this week. Region title already last night, and are and now are ranked first in in the one poll. Are they the team to beat in one A this season? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, that's the thing about our area is we always have a class one A, uh, either a champion or a team that's in the playoffs uh, that goes to the state championship game. And I would say Lakeview is is the team to beat. I'm not sure anybody in the upstate has enough in the tank. Maybe uh, Lamar. Uh, we're going to find out. Um, Lamar's got a big game coming up next week for a region championship as they got to take on uh, Johnson. So uh, I would say that they are right now. Um, so we'll see, though. Um, strange things happen, but Lakeview looks really, really strong right now. They uh, they look uh, They look good. There's no doubt about that. Well, talking about Lamar, they had a big game against St. James last week. You know, how much confidence does that give them that they at least played a 5A school that close? Um, I I think it gives them a lot of confidence. I think they already knew pretty much going in uh, that, you know, they – let's put it this way. I was at the game, and there was a vast difference uh, in numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh. Lamar, you know, they got, what, maybe 25, 30 kids. St. James, 5A school, they have 50. So there was a vast difference in that. Um, I give Lamar credit. They actually played pretty well. They just made a couple of uh, key mistakes in the second half that that St. James was able to capitalize on to win that football game. So I think that, uh, you know, they're going to feel confident going up against anybody they play because it's Lamar. They have a history of success and they know that they can uh, they can go into games and win and compete and and do what they need to do to take care of business. So I'm not really all that concerned about uh, Lamar. I think they're going to be there when it's all said and done as well. They're, they'll they'll be uh, they'll be in the thick of things for sure in Class A. 
Well, one team, and I think I think you and I can agree with this, that this is probably the biggest shocker, the biggest surprise in the state of South Carolina this season. One team that won't be there this year is Green Sea Floyds. What happened this year? Um, They lost a lot. They lost a lot of kids from graduation last year, and they just relied, had to rely on a lot of younger kids to step into those roles. Uh, and that, that's a tough, that's a tough thing for any school to do, especially at that level. Um, they, they missed a lot along the offensive and defensive line. Um, you know, Aaron Graham and Jaquan Dixon leave those two, those guys laid it all on the line. They, they, they brought it every game to give their team an opportunity, but it takes more than two guys to to get it done, and uh, you know they just I don't know you know not a, not enough experience a lot of, a lot of young players that that's basically what it is and you got to give hats off to Johnsonville I was at the game last night uh, Johnsonville has got a very good football team young team but a good team uh, they're finding ways to to win big ball games and they're <clears throat> they're big for a one A school they they've got some size. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, to be honest with you, I just, just don't think they had enough experience to get it, uh, to get it done this year. And, and they would have made the playoffs if the format was normal. Let's just put it that yeah. way. They would have, yeah. if it wasn't just two teams going in each region, they would have been in it. They would have gone to the playoffs and who knows what would happen. What the crazy thing about it is that I have a feeling they'll still be ranked in the top ten this week, yet they're out of contention in the playoffs. Uh, the bit, you know, you talked about Jaquan Dixon and and how he tried to carry this team on his shoulders and just couldn't do it. Enough. I would hope that coaches don't necessarily have, you know, that a team performance would affect a, a player of his caliber. But do you see this affecting what kind of offers he gets at all? No, no, not at all. Uh, Jaquan's going to be fine. He, he'll go. He'll get an opportunity to go somewhere uh, and play. Now, what size that is, I'm not sure if if, if a D1 school will come uh, and offer. But he'll get his chances. He'll get his opportunities. I don't, you know, yeah, I don't think you look at. Um, what a team does because you're looking at an individual and what he brings to the table and, <clears throat> and Jaquan does that. It's not only that he's got a talent, but he's a good young man. He's, he's a really, really good guy. So I think he'll be fine. Moving on to this week, the big matchup and the game of the week is Carolina forest against Sakasi. What would you say is the biggest key for both, both teams to win the game and, and who do you have tonight? Turnovers. That's what killed Carolina Forest last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got to hold on to the rock. You flip the side, if Sagasti can force turnovers, then they're going to have a chance to win. I mean, it all boils down to that. It boils down to, to turnovers. Um, Sagasti has forced a couple in the last couple of games. Uh, they had uh, at least, uh, I know, of one last week against Conway. Uh, they played really well against the Tigers. Uh, they're going to feel confident. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're riding high right now. Carolina Forest, you know, turnovers killed them against Sumter. And it wasn't just turnovers. There was a couple of other plays that, that kind of could have swing the, 
swung the tie for them to win that game. Uh, and they're going to be, uh, they're going to be ready to go. So, you know, I'm, I, I still have to give the edge to, to Carolina Forest in this one uh, for the fact that, you know, they're just the better team. I mean, on paper, if you drew it up on paper and you looked at it now, granted, you know, games aren't won on paper, but yep. they're just, uh, they've just got more talent, I think, than, uh, than Sagasti at this point. So you, you got to yep. give the, uh, you got to give the edge to Carolina Forest to bounce back and grab this win and lock that playoff first down and uh, finish out the regular season and, and get ready for that grueling 5A March uh, in the postseason. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm certainly hoping that you're right. You're probably right. I I think Carolina Forest, as long as they do what they need to do, can certainly win this game. Uh, moving over to the other side of 5A, going over to the team that uh, Carolina Forest lost to last week, Sumter faces St. James. Is there any chance that St. James, no matter how small the law the win was, can St. James win take that momentum from the win last week? and potentially pull off a big upset against Sumter tonight, or does Sumter pretty much have this one in the bag? I got to think Sumter's too talented. Um, They've got too much uh, for St. James. Uh, If St. James pulls off this upset, that would be the upset, the the biggest upset in their program uh, that I could think of, biggest upset in program history. I I just don't think that St. James uh, has enough to – to win this game now. Conway and West Florence uh, facing off for the first time in a while, non-region, but it's a big matchup for both, especially uh, with both teams trying to rebound from disappointing losses last week. West Florence still trying to find that, you know, find a way into the playoffs with an at-large. I think West, uh, you got to give the edge to West Florence. They're going to come in um, none too pleased about their performance against Myrtle Beach mm-hmm. last week. Uh, Conway, there's just uh, something's, something's in the water over there. Something's just not right. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Can't put my put my finger on it. They have the talent, um, but for some reason that's not translating to wins. And uh, I, I'm giving the edge to, to West. I think they uh, they come in there and they uh, they win tonight, knowing that they can't stumble at all the rest of the way if they want to get uh, one of those at-large bids. Now, have you heard anything about? I know that for the the regular seeded spots, that it's only region play that's being considered. But could that win against a 5A potentially be taken into consideration? for an at-large bid, or are they, are they mandating that only region games are, are looked at this year? I, I think you have to put everything on the table this year, uh, just how it is when it comes to, to the playoffs. So I think if, you know, if you look at who somebody played and what classification they played and everything, I, I mean, I think you got to put it all on the table. I don't know that for sure. Um, but I, like I said, I think if West wins the rest of the way, I don't know how you keep them out of the playoffs with, with their, you know, only, uh, only losses coming to, uh, to rank teams, uh, in their region. Yeah. Well, one team that I don't believe West Florence has played yet. I'm trying to remember if they did or not, but North Myrtle beach travels to Darlington again this season where they 
had a big upset last season. What do the Chiefs have to do to avoid that happening again? I don't see it happening again. Matt Real and his staff and these players, they marked this game on their calendar. They were none too pleased about that outcome last year. Uh, that really uh, stuck in their crawl, so to speak. So I expect North Myrtle to go in there, uh, put the throttle down, and uh, and put this thing away pretty early, um, knowing that, you know, what's at stake, what happened last year, and uh, and a lot of other factors going on. Um, you know, they could, uh, they could possibly put themselves uh, in position to, to wrap up a, um, a playoff berth regardless of what happens that last game with Myrtle Beach if uh, if they just win win out the rest of the way. So they're not they're not gonna look past Darlington not after last year and I, I expect them to uh to do what they need to do tonight. The rest of the game's over in uh region six four A. Myrtle Beach travels out to Hartsville and Wilson travels out to South Florence. Any chance that uh either Hartsville or South Florence can pull off the upset tonight? Yeah, South Florence has a chance. I mean, they're they're playing well. They're getting confident. Um, Wilson's kind of unpredictable this year. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of surprised about the way they've they've played. I mean, they they've won a couple of games, but I thought they would be uh, a little bit better um, than they are right now. So yeah, I think South's got an opportunity. Uh, as for Myrtle Beach and Hartsville, I mean, when those two teams meet, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you got to give obviously you're going to give the edge to Myrtle Beach. Uh, just because of, you know, what, what they've been capable of and what they've been able to accomplish so far this season. Arsenal's coming off a win over Fort Mill. So, I mean, you know, the, they, they finally got a win in, under their belt. They would love nothing better than to knock Myrtle Beach off of their, off that top spot and, uh, and make things interesting in that region. But, you know, I, I still think Myrtle Beach goes in there and wins. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hartsville pulled off some kind of upset. Going down to 3A, Anor and Georgetown are fighting for their playoff lives tonight. What are the keys for both teams to win, and who do you have coming out on top on that one? Well, Anor's going to do what they do. They're going to pound, pound, pound you with the run game. They're going to, you know, um, chew up the clock, and uh, they're going to do what they do, and they do it really well. Um, Georgetown's. You know they're gonna they're gonna have to try to stop that Ainer offense, and I'm not sure that they have enough on defense to to do that, and I don't think they have enough on offense to keep up with Ainer. So, I mean, I, I think Ainer goes down there and uh, and wins, knowing uh, what's at stake with their uh, their playoffs, uh, especially the way um, Loris is off to a two and zero start, and they're off this week, and and then of course Dylan's got to walk them all, and um, you know Dylan's gonna Dylan's gonna be way too much for uh, for walk them all. One final question before we let you go. I saw that I saw you post this on Twitter the other day, and it it kind of surprised me. I was like, "Oh, that that should be interesting if we see it." What? Why do you think we may see Mason Garcia coming on the field for ECU this week? Let's just call it a hunch. Let's just call it a hunch. Um, I've I've got uh, a suspicion that we're we're gonna we're gonna see. Um, see quite a lot of Mason uh, tomorrow. I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't say really more than that. I just uh, feel like, uh, you know, there's uh there's going to be a, a surprise come noon tomorrow. 
when uh, ECU takes the field, that's for sure. So uh, it, it's going to be fun, uh, but I expect that uh, that folks when they turn on the TV are going to are going to see uh, Mason on the field doing a little bit more than he has uh, for the Pirates over the first couple of games. Now, granted, he did he played once, uh, came in late in one of those games, and threw a couple of passes, ran ran for ten yards. So um, I'm just going to I'll just leave it there and say it's just the hunch I got. So hey, I do well, want to I- let you know that that. One one other thing that uh, the uh, Lake City Marlboro County game, which was a huge game in in uh, in terms of uh, in that region, it's been postponed. They just announced that about 20 minutes ago. So oh, that okay. game wow. is postponed. Yeah. Okay. So they'll so uh, they, I guess they'll reschedule later on this this month or next month. Yeah. 3A matchup. Uh, so big big news there that Lake City and Marlboro County uh, postponed for this week. Breaking news from Brandon Dunn. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I just saw it on Twitter actually before I uh, before I gone on with you. Lake City uh, had just announced it, uh, saying they had postponed that game. All right. So one one fewer game tonight, but uh, still a lot of big games tonight. Uh, I'm sure you'll be over at Sakasi uh, later on, so I might see you over yes, there. I, I will. Yep, I will be there. We'll be uh, live at 5 and 6 on uh, ABC 15. And then, of course, uh, the end zone tonight at 1120. Scores and highlights from all the games and recap of all the action from Thursday night. So a lot of high school football on tap for for week four. I can't believe we uh, only got three more weeks after this, the regular season when we start the playoffs. It's crazy. We're over – well, after this week, we'll be through – we'll be past the half Yeah, yep, yep. Getting, getting close to the end. It, it's crazy. This season has – this whole year has flown by, but then this season has flown by already. Uh, I'm certainly hoping uh, for all the Carolina Forest fans out there that you are correct. We're going to have an eye on ECU t- on uh, tomorrow afternoon to see if, if your hunch is correct that Mason Garcia plays a little bit. So – once again, thank you, Brandon, for joining me, and uh, I'll see you later tonight. All right. Y'all take it easy and nice joining you today, and uh, look forward to all the action tonight. Y'all have a good uh, good Friday, everybody. Yep. Thanks a lot for joining me. Once again, that is Brandon Dunn. Always fun talking with him. Uh, and, you know, he brought up some good points, uh, you know, some good, you know, some interesting things uh going on around the Grand Strand and, and a lot of fun matchups. And, and like you said, you know, it seems like in a lot of regions or in a lot of classifications, uh, you know, 5A, Carolina Forest, well, Carolina Forest and Sakasti, either one, whoever makes it in there, you know, obviously Grand Strand fans are going to hope that they make a run in, in the playoffs. 4A, you've got Myrtle Beach, who's the cream of the crop in 4A. You know, 3A, you've got Dylan uh, to be the odds-on favorite, while also Anor could do some things as well. Not too many schools, uh, you know, in the Grand Strand in uh, 2A. you got a couple, but no one really of note. And then 1A, you've got Lakeview, you've got Green Sea Floyd, you've got Johnsonville. 
you've got so many schools in the Grand Strand and the PD that you know are are very good. This this area, this region, is really growing their football football their their football mark on the state, and it, it's fun to be a part of. Some quick little notes before we take a quick break and then wrap things up with about 20 minutes left, or excuse me, about 40 minutes left to go on the show. And once again, if you want to call in and join me before the show is over, that number to call 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. And some other quick notes. Before we take a break, Nevin Tyler from Carolina Forest was invited to the offense-defense All-American game in Dallas, the big one, over at AT AT&T Stadium. So congrats to him. That should be a big one. Hopefully that gets him some some momentum, gets some eyeballs on him, because he would definitely be a good addition to a Division I program. Uh, He's a big linebacker from... Carolina Forest, and he is he is a beast. He is a beast. Going over to the hardwood real quick, uh, a couple of basketball schedules came out this week. Uh, some still waiting on some official confirmations on accuracy and whatnot. I saw a couple of games uh, from some teams here on the Grand Strand. We'll get you those as, we're, as they become available. Maybe next week. Hopefully next week we'll have some more official word on all of those. But one thing that was announced was the field for the Casey Roundball Classic. Over in the national bracket will be AC Flora, Marlboro County, Aiken, Westside, Dutch Fork, Westwood, Lee Central, and Wilson. And on the American bracket will be Brooklyn Casey, Hartsville, Jahair, River Bluff, Gray Collegiate, South Florence, Hammond, and Sumter. So a couple of uh, a couple of interesting teams over there. There will be five of the seven teams with only West Florence and Darlington not being in one of those end of the year tournaments because you got Wilson, Hartsville, and South Florence all at the Casey Roundball Classic, while Myrtle Beach and North Myrtle will be at the Beach Ball Classic. I'm not... They they haven't officially announced a date for the Beach Ball Classic, but I'm assuming it will be um, at the same time as the Casey Roundball Classic. So that will be a very fun uh, couple of days for basketball fans here in the Palmetto State. Those tournaments always fun, always get people ready for the season, uh, and you know it's just just a fun time, just a fun time to be a sports fan. Yeah, you've got the worries of you know certain things, you've got the worries of COVID and all of that, but outside of that, you know we've got football back. You know on the national level, you got baseball right now, you got football. Uh, you know, for high school and college, you've got uh, basketball getting ready to gear up to get back at the end of February. Uh, 
So lots of fun things. Lots of fun things going on. Uh, a quick uh, girls basketball note. Keenan Guard, Malaysia Full Wiley was ranked third in the ESPN Hoop Girls ranking for the class of 2023 with East Clarendon's Talasia Cooper ranked eighth and Cardinal Newman's Ashlyn Watkins being named third being ranked 13th in the class of 2022. So, you know, even on the girls side, boys basketball, girls basketball, baseball, which I'll talk about in just a little bit. Football, you know, even even some of the, you know, non you know, non-cash crop, non-revenue sports, you know, track, volleyball, tennis, golf, all of those. This state is growing and growing quickly when it comes to the caliber of athlete and the recognition that those athletes are getting coming out of South Carolina. It's, it's fun to be a part of. It's fun to be able to say, you know, Hey, I saw those guys when, when they were in high school, you know, and it's going to be happening more and more, you know, you know, even over the last couple of years, you know, you've got, You've got two Grand Strand guys in the NFL right now in uh, Hunter Renfro from Stockasty and then uh, Brian Edwards from Conway. So, which is ironically, they're both on the same team, which is kind of, it's, it's funny to me that they're both uh, on the Raiders. But yeah, so it's it's a great time to be a fan of high school sports here in South Carolina, and it, it's a fun it, it's fun to be a part of. It, it's fun to be able to talk about it, bring these kids on. Didn't have any any athlete guests this week, but you know we'll try to have some athletes come on uh, next week. Obviously, with with the time the show is on now and this year it's been kind of easier because some play you know a lot of kids are doing hybrid learning and as a result you know you don't uh you know they're able to potentially take a quick break to come join me for a little bit uh in between class you know in between sessions or whatnot uh but you know so this year it's been a little easier but still a lot of kids in school uh, at this time, and as a result, can't get away and and call in. But you know that that's the way it is with with the time with with the uh, time slot that I've got. So, but it's still fun. It's always fun talking to Lou and fun to talk to Brandon and all of that. So, we'll take a quick break and then wrap it all up. We have half an hour left to go here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Once again, if you want to call in, talk some sports, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back. Wrap it up here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I 
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. As we have about a half hour left to go on the show. Once again, if you want to call in, talk some sports with me, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. And with about a half hour left to go, I'll go back to some of the things we were talking about earlier uh, before we got some callers in and started talking uh, with the one big news in the NFL, Dak Prescott injured and out for the season. Cowboys, which is crazy to think about. You would think you're losing your franchise quarterback. You're done. Your season's over. But with how weak the NFC East is this season, Cowboys still have a chance of winning the division. Uh, And, you know, I don't think... uh, I don't think um, blank on. I think it's Andy Dalton. I don't think Andy Dalton is going to be, you know, a game changer. I don't think he's going to make the Cowboys second guess Dak this year. But Dak is very lucky that this happened this year instead of next year, because with the injury and but can't necessarily. I mean, he was playing very well. He was playing very well. Don't get me wrong. So he he was getting that leverage to say, hey, pay me. 
But with this injury, I have a feeling that they'll franchise tag him again this offseason for the last time that they can because they still have one more year that they can. And then, you know, next year will be the year for him to, you know, uh, you know, show up or shut up. So he's kind of lucky that this happened this year. And also what's lucky for him, too, and may be in the good graces of uh, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys organization, is he didn't do anything like what Earl Thomas did in Seattle a couple of years ago, or last year, uh, when he flipped off the bench and all of that. He didn't do anything to burn any bridges. So he should be. Uh, A big news uh, this week the Jets released Le'Veon Bell. And while I'm surprised to an extent, I'm not surprised at the same time. This is a total Jets move, especially with Adam Gase's comments last week. And if you didn't hear them, uh, if you didn't hear what Adam Gase said in the press conference after last week's loss, please go listen to it because it's hilarious. But I'll just basically I'll paraphrase he basically said yeah we may look bad but we good but we look good in practice okay so what's your point you can look as you could look like a Super Bowl champion caliber team in practice well first off first off let me just say practice you're playing against Oftentimes, your first string is playing against your second string. You're not exactly playing against top-notch talent. You're not playing against the cream of the crop. And especially with a team as weak as the Jets are, yeah, you're going to look good against yourself. Of course. The key is winning on the field. To to quote Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. It doesn't matter what you do on the practice field. Well, let me change it. Let me rephrase that. It does matter what you do on the practice field as long as it translates onto the game field. But it doesn't matter how good you look on a practice field if you can't have that translate to game day. It It's apples and oranges. So I don't get why the Jets still have Adam Gates. They should have fired him after that uh, that comment. But I will say... I am secretly laughing at because of what he did to the Steelers and, you know, a couple of years ago. And more importantly to me, because I drafted him in the first round in my fantasy league that year. And then he proceeds to basically give a giant middle finger to the to everyone who drafted him in the first round by saying, no, I don't feel like playing this year. So I'm kind of glad in a way that that he, you know, that this has happened to him. But, you know, it, but it's actually turning out to be a blessing in disguise for him because he's expected to sign with the Chiefs. And the rich just keep on getting richer. You know, the Chiefs lost last week in a thriller against the Raiders. Big win for the Raiders. But now the Chiefs have a big running back that just makes that formidable offense even better. So it's been, you know, so, you know, while it, it 
you know, it's you know, I I feel for the Jets fans. Hell, I'm a Giants fan, so I shouldn't be I shouldn't really be with talk. But while I feel for Jets fans, the, the Chiefs are just the, the Chiefs are just loaded. And last week's loss is just going to make them even hungrier and make them e- and galvanize them even more. A couple of games to watch this week. Uh, Rams 49ers on Sunday Night Football. 49ers fighting to stay in the playoff picture. Ray lost three games uh, in a tough NFC West. They they have to win this game, I think, in order to stay in contention. Packers Bucks. Battle between Rodgers and Brady, that'll be a fun one. The rivalry continues, and both teams are playing well. So this is going to be a fun one for both teams. See who's who's the top dog. Well, not really even the top dog, because you have the Ravens there, too. The AFC North is loaded, outside of the Bengals, obviously. Bears-Panthers. Panthers are playing pretty well, surprisingly, this year. And the Bears, I'm still not completely convinced with. Even though they're playing very well, even though they have a great record, I'm not convinced that they're a top caliber team in the NFC. And this week will this will this week will be another big test for them. And then finally, Chiefs Bills. Both teams have great records. Both teams only having one loss. And the big question is, can the Chiefs rebound from last week's loss? And they won't have Le'Veon Bell this week, but. They, but it still will be a big, uh, a, a big thing hanging over them uh, this week. Some college football notes, and not a lot of good news this week, especially in the SEC. I mentioned it earlier. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show when I was talking about the the SEC CBS theme that we were going to talk SEC and we were going to talk. The, the bad news that they had this week. And this is the time. Unfortunately, I have to end it kind of on a sour note. But I'll lighten it up a little bit at the end. But, yeah. Vanderbilt, Missouri postponed due to positive cases on Vanderbilt. Florida halts all football activities due to an increase in COVID cases. LSU game postponed. Nick Saban and the athletic director over Alabama. Kind of surprising, honestly. And I think they're still going to test. They're, they're going to test everyone uh, prior to the game. Or like, you know, probably today. So, you may... You, the game is still up in the air. You don't know if anyone has come down with it since. And things could potentially get postponed as a result. But this is the worst possible week for this to happen, even if the game... Well, especially if the game goes on. Especially if the game still is played. Because this is going to be probably the toughest test that Alabama is going to have all season, having to take on Georgia. Two top teams, number two and number three in the nation, facing off, and which will probably, I mean, we may very well see the two teams match up again at the end of the season. But this one will will be a big one. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, 
yeah, this is the worst possible week that the Crimson Tide could have even... <laughs> I I just don't know what else to say about it. You know, it's just... It's one of those things that 2020 strikes again. And I'd actually kind of be interested about this. I'd interest, I'd be interested to know for Alabama fans, for Alabama players, for Nick Saban himself, what would he prefer to have happen? Would he rather this game still play and maybe the the team can use him not being there as a way to galvanize them and, and to win? Or would it be better for them to postpone this game so they their full strength when they face off? Now, I don't think the SEC would do that just for that, obviously. Because you have injuries. You have big-time injuries happen all the time uh, that force players to miss. It's something that you kind of have to live with. But this is something that, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, in the past about this whole situation how you know if if something like this happens a lot of fans will claim that it delegitimizes the season and i wasn't just talking about college football i was talking about you know nfl mlb nba well nba i wasn't as worried about because they were in the bubble but it was that situation of if a star player, or in this case a coach, goes down and has to miss a game as a result, and that team loses the game, and especially in a situation like this, you know, coaches, barring something absolutely insane happening, coaches more often than not don't miss games. They're they're not missing games as a result of you know regular illness for the most part. So the fact that Nick Saban has to miss this game, if Alabama if they play this game on Saturday, if they play this game tomorrow, and Alabama loses, especially if they lose close. Oh, boy. Be prepared for the uproar. Be prepared for the Alabama fans to just go absolutely ballistic and say, you know, oh, this season isn't legitimate, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, if that does happen, I hope that the two teams do end up matching up in the SEC championship. Because then that would be a way for it to go one of two ways. Either A, Alabama beats them, and then it adds even more question marks, and then, you know... I mean, I think... I think barring something crazy happening, I think everyone has to agree that more than likely the SEC is getting two teams, at least, in the playoffs this season. 
Clemson's almost a shoe in unless they unless something crazy happens. The Big Twelve's a crapshoot right now. Hell, I think Coastal should probably get the Big Twelve spot because the the big joke around here all week, you know, heading into Coastal's game on Friday or on uh, Wednesday against Louisiana was this is the Big Twelve championship because the Sun Belt dominated the Big Twelve a few, you know, at the beginning of the season, which you know, I would love to see the Sun Belt get a chance in the, in the playoffs. Will it happen? No. I, I, I have already conceded defeat on that. But I I would like to see it. I would like to see it, if at all possible. Uh, but, you know, the Big 12 is, is anyone's guess at this point. The, and the Big 10 and Pac-12, who knows what's going to happen with them. So I could easily see I could definitely see two SEC teams making it this year. So you could see, and what would honestly be fun, and this is kind of a messed up way of thinking, but what would kind of be fun would be if Georgia won this week, and all the Alabama fans are up in the uh, up in an uproar. This would be this would be the the ultimate 2020 storyline end in 2021. It, the the story would culminate in 2021. So you have Georgia win this week by a slim margin. And then you have all the Alabama fans up and up are saying, oh, it's unfair. We should have won. We would have won if we had Saban on the sidelines. Then both teams make it to the SEC championship, and Alabama, with you know, a one law or a a un, an undefeated Georgia against a one loss Alabama SEC championship, and Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. I don't know if it would be handily or close or what have you. And they both get into the college football playoffs, get stuck on, stuck on opposite brackets. They both win their semi game, and then you have the rubber match in the national championship. Normally, I don't like those stories. Normally, I hate how the SEC always seems to get that. I hate when you get rematch after rematch after rematch every year in, you know, or not every year, obviously. But, you know, you've had years like that where, you know, teams would face off three times in a season because they played in the regular season. They played in the SEC championship. And then they played in the national championship. Normally, I don't like that. But with this particular storyline, if it went the way that I I'm thinking it goes, or that or the way that I'm using it, wouldn't that be so much fun? I I think so. And this is coming from me, who normally does not like seeing things like this. So this is something that is I normally do not advocate for but this time 
with with the storyline built in there. Let's do it. Let's do it. I like it. So we got about 10 minutes left to go on the show. Once again, if you want to get a quick call in, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll go down a quick recap of the show and get you ready for some Friday Night Lights tonight. Uh, I'll be out at at Socacy tonight. Big matchup. Will the matchup? This game will decide who gets the number two seed out of Region Six Five A. So it'll be a lot of fun uh, to call that one. It'll also be the game of the week here on the Grand Strand on ABC. And hey, if you want to put it on TV, but then you, here's what you do. Here's what you do if you want to get the best experience. You you put it on the TV. You mute the TV. And then on your laptop or your you know phone or what have you, whatever will give you the best sound, our broadcast on. Go to shnsports.com slash Carolina. And go on our broadcast. And you sync it up. And you listen to our great coverage while watching the broadcast or watching the game on TV. There you go. Best of both worlds. So I hope I, I hope you guys uh, do that. I hope everyone enjoys uh, that. James should be an interesting one. That I think Sumter Prime probably has that one in the bag. West Florence and Conway, that's a big one uh, for both teams. Getting a getting back on track after losing losing a tough fought matchup uh, for both of them. North Merrill Beach looking for some revenge from last year, traveling to Darlington. I think Brandon Dunn's probably right. I I think barring something crazy happening, I think North Merrill Beach has this one in the bag especially considering they're going to remember what happened last year and they're going to want to, you know, they're going to want to, they're going to want, they're looking out for blood. They're, they're out for revenge uh, this year. Some out of area games to watch around the state. Clover at Gaffney. Gaffney can clinch a playoff berth this week. Northwest at South Point. 5A and 4A. Dutch Fork at Lexington, another team starting their region play against Dutch Fork. Tough matchup for Lexington. Dutch Fork can clinch a playoff berth with a win tonight. Stratford at Berkeley, much like Carolina Forestocacy matchup, probably deter- more than likely. I, I believe the math does determine uh, which out of the two will make it into the playoffs tonight. Fort Dorchester, West Ashley, that's a big one. Greenwood, Greenville, Greenville can clinch the region title with a win and a Greer loss, but that Greer loss is unlikely tonight. Southside and Palmetto more than likely will determine the winner of region 2-3A. Blue Ridge at Powdersville, must-win game for both teams, especially 
for Powdersville, and there are a bunch of other games. Like you heard uh, a little under a half hour ago when Brandon Dunn was on breaking news that you get right here first on Sports Unlimited. The Lake City-Marlboro County game tonight has been postponed due to some positive cases. So that is one game that was on the schedule, looked like it was going to be a big matchup, uh, but has been postponed since. So, you know, COVID wreaking havoc. Once again, that reminder, you know, Oregon County Schools got lucky last night or yesterday. And I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm kind of surprised but not surprised at the same time. There's been a spike here, especially here in Horry County. And, you know, DHEC gave a little warning to Horry County. And Horry County Schools had a meeting last night. And they were going to decide, do we move things to uh do we move to online only learning do we go full virtual as a result of the increase in cases they decided against it uh i think at least in part because the cases within the schools haven't been quite as bad but We're halfway through the season. Technically less than halfway through. Some teams are more than halfway through now. But tonight, the the halftime of your game, whatever game you're at, time will be the halfway point of the season. Because there's seven games. We've played three already. Still have four left to go. Three and a half games. So that, you know, at halftime, that'll be the halfway point of the season right there. We still have halfway to go, even in the regular season. And then you have the playoffs still. And there are already worrying signs. And not to mention, you know, now teams have to be ultra cautious because a lot of schools have already pushed back, back to the end of the season, to those last two weeks. And now, if anything happens, they have no room. They have no wiggle room at this point. A lot of schools don't. Some schools do. You know, in you know, in on the Grand Strand, most of the schools... Now, granted, uh, you know, you have some that are uh there there are some that um like in in re- in 4A in region 6 with there being seven teams there's six games you have to play so you know you don't really have much wiggle room there if at all but for for 5A you have a little wiggle room you know, uh, especially with most schools playing at least three, um, at least three region games already. 
uh, you know, some only two, Carolina Forest only playing two thus far, but they'll play their third tonight. So, but, yeah, so, you know, just everyone be careful, be safe out there. Let's get some football in. Let's make sure we continue the season and be safe out there, everyone. Uh, be sure to take proper precautions and uh, let's, let's have a good night tonight. Uh, should be a fun one tonight. Um, so that'll just about wrap it up for me here. Once again, if you want to listen to Carolina Sports Football, tune in on FHN Sports on YouTube, FHNSports.com slash Carolina. So my name is Brandon Disabank. Thanks so long, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hope you guys enjoyed another great show of Sports Central. So long, everyone. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.